Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday, it's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Welcome to a Friday edition of the Ringer Gambling Show, joined by Joe House as always. And tonight is a special night. We're recording it Thursday night, dropping it Friday morning for you guys, because we just saw the Washington Commanders, House's favorite football team since birth, lifelong Commanders fan, and they just demolished the Chicago Bears in glorious fashion. It was a joyful game for all to watch, and we're all in a great mood right now, right, House? Oh, my God. (laughs) The C-words. Sharpie, here's the single best thing for tonight. I had something to drink, a little to drink, not too much to drink because I was trying to protect myself, my family, my loved ones, every the house family's reputation from all of the ills that may have befallen us. Had the C-words blown that game. And that last minute of that game made me feel very good. I hit exactly the right mark in terms of alcohol consumption, that loss would have been among the top 30 bad losses. But Sharpie, nobody had a bigger L tonight than that bum, Taryn Killam, who was trying to do comedy on Amazon. What the mother F was that? I don't know. Somebody paid for that? Like, I'm just shocked that, A, somebody put money, good money, towards something of that nature. B, that somebody agreed to air it and see 
I mean, what is this? What kind? What, what like low life? What type of low level of comedy? What type of low life are making fun of players' names? Like the lowest form of like I, I don't know. I, I'm not into that type of comedy, but like making fun of the way that people look, making fun of people's names is just the dumbest like style of comedy to make somebody feel good about themselves. And to put that out on TV was just pathetic. I thought that was like literally not even if if you're like move from zero to one on a scale of 10 of like, you might laugh in a second, like, and you're approaching like the, the, the 10 and then you're going to laugh. Like that was down at zero and stayed at zero. That didn't even get close to drawing <laughs> any type of entertaining value at all for me. Yeah, I love you. The engineer, you the analytics, breaking it down in that way, like putting a meter on it, the laugh <laughs> meter. The effing dude was on Saturday Night Live for like a decade as one of their head writers and whatever. I halfway wonder if it was a troll. Like, what is the absolute worst thing we can do? How unfunny can can we make this? We've already spent too much time on it. It was a disaster, uh, but probably not as big a disaster as what transpired in the news today for my homeboy, Danny Snyder. Once again, leading the airwaves. The Seawords are up for their standalone island game early in the season here. And the day, the news cycle is filled with, with Dan Snyder out uh, hiring private investigators to dig up dirt so that he can protect his sorry, pitiful, uh, uh, woeful ownership ass. Well, what is going on with that? I mean, I, I was going to ask you, like, if you made a joke about him on the show, I mean, you could be under investigation. Like you could have somebody <laughs> like out there with the uh, binoculars, you know, peering out of a hey, tinted I'm window. I'm an open book. I'm, I'm on these, I'm on these airwaves saying all, all the stuff that goes it's, down. It's like you're so not going to find anything it's, on it's me. It's so wild. Like, like that you would feel so insecure that you got to go out there and spend a bunch of money to get private investigators to go out and start preparing for Armageddon in case your devilish deeds get uncovered and that you have something to fire back at as a threat. Um, I mean, I, the sooner he goes away, the better, like, in my opinion, completely. <laughs> we, we just here in Washington, and I know you catch this because you're in the DMV area, where is the bottom? When do we get to bottom with this guy? Will it be the, the rampant sexual har harassment? Eh, maybe not. Will it be his former president of the team and, and general manager, you know, using racist uh, uh, language? Well, but probably not. Will it be skimming money from the other owners by underreporting stadium revenue? Well, not not yet. Uh, and And here we are, you know, him basically playing mini mafioso and trying to have, I mean, uh, there is a rational economic interest here. The single thing that he possesses that uh, is of any value is this franchise. And it continues to go up in value, notwithstanding his devilish uh, deeds. So I, I guess you would say, well, anything he could do to hang on to it, including all this scurrilous, scandalous bullshit, but, you know, we just have to 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 put up with it because that's the way 
um, these fr- these franchises work in the NFL. Yeah, we do. Uh, hopefully not for much longer. And the sooner we can say goodbye, the better, in my opinion. So let's transition into Sunday's week six slate. And I know you got some things cooked up, but I know before we get there, talk to us a little bit about some of the things you've been noticing around the league. Yeah, the trends keep on trending in terms of underdog action so far through these first uh, five weeks. 45, 30, and three against the spread. And this is kind of a thing that's been going on for like the last five, six, seven years. Underdogs early in the season covering, covering at a, a better than 55% clip. Um, so we, we're we're now kind of reaching the point where um, the books will start adjusting and, and we will start seeing some favorites um, come through. I also continue to, to just ride um, the short dogs opportunity, looking for underdogs off a straight up loss when uh, the next week line is six points or fewer. That was two and two last week, 13 and eight on the season, 62% uh, against the spread, which is, you know, that's, if you're clocking in at 62%, that is good ROI. This week, uh, the Bears already are a loss. They fit that paradigm, but there are still five games um, yet to be played, a few of which are very interesting underdogs jags getting two and a half or or yeah still two and a half i think uh or maybe two 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 with going up against the colts the dolphins at home getting three against the vikings falcons getting five and a half is it still at five and a half yes five five and a half there's some yeah five five and a half home against the niners seattle getting two and a half uh some places i think i saw it up to three it was, um, but that came down. The threes okay. were bought up for the most part. They always are. Seattle getting two and a half against uh, the Cardinals at home. And then Denver, I saw it at four and a half. Is it up to, is it higher now? It was higher before. It's down to four and a half now. Oh, so it's back to four and a half. So those are the the five games. All those teams lost the previous week. And that line is, is you know, short numbers. And there are some interesting underdog candidates there. Um, I played in our bet the house last week, a favorite, because uh, last week was just a tough slate. Although I ended up doing well in one of the pools where you bet every game against the the, the spread. Uh, I think I went like, you know, 10 and four or nine and five or something. I just couldn't find the one that I liked the best. I played the, the, the um, Eagles laying five on the road to Arizona. Arizona was has been mystifying. And you and Austin Gale broke it down quite nicely on the Wednesday show. You guys went through, you know, some of the things the Cardinals might do to improve their offense. So they might score in a first quarter. Uh, we're still rooting for them to score in a fourth quarter. Maybe we'll see it this week in Seattle going up against the worst defense in the entire league. And then Green Bay, I had them in an exotic or two. All they had to do was win. I guess they couldn't find any of the ayahuasca. In, in in London, there's no ayahuasca for their for their too much ayahuasca potentially. There's too much. Which was it? There. Yeah, I, th- I think it's too. I think it's. I think it's too too in too good of supply out there. Sure. <laughs> London, England, <laughs> plenty of ayahuasca. Get your fill if you need it. They they, they were uh, they disappeared in the second half against the Giants. But enough with the foreplay sharpie because as much as Week Five and all of the Führer with the refs and the roughing the passer, I felt roughed. 
I will very quick side tangent. Like I know that you and, and Austin touched on it, but very, very quick side tangent on this. It felt like there was an edict coming down from the league office to all the referee crews to watch the roughing the passer as a way to respond to the public outcry over what happened to Tua. And they changed the concussion protocol on the fly, but it also seemed like there was an emphasis on protecting the quarterbacks. All of that is fine. I have no complaint with it whatsoever. But it did not feel like a coincidence that two of the worst referees in the entire NFL, by reputation, by every... I mean, I know that you and your team do deep analytics on, on these referee crews, their tendencies. Jerome Boger and Carl Sheffers called the, 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 the least compelling... All, all that happened was the defensive player tackled the quarterback while the quarterback possessed the ball. In each instance, Tom Brady going down and, and, and uh, um, it was the Chiefs. It was Derek Carr going down. Um, and, 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 and both of those were egregious. What is your sense of what the F was going on there? Will it, can we say that that's now in our rear view, rear view mirror? We're not going to no. see it in week no. six. We can't. They just, came out, they, they just came out today and said that that was the right call. They, they, of course they, they did. They wrote and said it was officially the right call because he landed with his body weight when the quarterback was still in a prone position in the pocket and they were going to always protect the quarterbacks <laughs> like that. And they don't care if the ball technically was out, I guess, because they're saying that, well, if, you, if the quarterback throws the ball, and the ball's out of his hand. You can't hit him afterwards and land on him in that situation either. It doesn't actually matter if the quarterback has the ball, but the reality is, guess what? The other player had the ball. Like the quarterback would just unfortunately was underneath of him when he had the ball and was landing on the ground. I mean, it, that's just that's basically yeah, the well, way that play broke down. Yeah, and the I, laws of physics aren't supposed to apply. No, and I totally understand that it's a bang-bang situation. It's hard for the refs to, like, see that in real time, which is why I yes. kind of loved Chris Jones' idea. It's like, yeah, the, the reality is you don't need to throw it up to the, to the booth or have the ref go over and stand on his Microsoft Surface and try to thumb through different replays <laughs> of it. Just fucking broadcast the thing on the jumbotron at the stadium, we'll you will yeah. see in like one replay whether or not you fucked up by throwing that flag, and you can just pick it up and say, "Let's keep playing the game." Like you don't need this complicated thing. Throw a couple replays up there. Let the refs huddle for thirty seconds and make the decision, uh, or just beam it down from New York. Let New York quickly look at it. Like they always say that you you hear the uh, the refs say like um. We have now decided they're like the decision on the field is this, even though that wasn't what they called like 30 yeah. seconds ago. But as they're just standing around and they get New York in their earpiece telling them this is what to do, they'll say the decision on the field is this. And and so that's obviously coming from New York. So we are still going to see some of these roughing the passer calls that we don't like. That's definitely not going anywhere anytime soon. So long as we've got guys like Teddy Bridgewater, who never had a concussion and does not have a concussion on the concussion report, being yanked from games and unable to play. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that I th you can't just react to what the public outcry is of the moment, right? Like, right. W otherwise, like, please get rid of Thursday night football already. I mean, we've been bitching and moaning about that for a while, but the NFL doesn't give a shit about that. But like these times, oh, the we're getting upset with Tua. Everybody on the, on Twitter is getting upset with Tua. Justifiably so. It was a bad scene there. 
And then we're seeing like the NFL go over the line and now yanking Teddy out when he did not have a concussion. He was tested for a concussion, never had one, continues to test negative, and he's still in the concussion protocol. But anyway, I'm done with last week. Let's, let's, uh, I, I know. I, though, the only thing I'll say to, to add on to your note, the, the one thing that, that the NFL should care about and really ought to do something about, we got to save Al Michaels. I, I, um, I didn't, I wasn't in a place where I could sit down and do it, but it was just a poor Al Michaels. How can we possibly do this to this man? Have I him not, st- have to sit through these games. I will, I will never say poor to anybody who's calling games on TV, being paid millions of dollars to do that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the, it's a fun job okay, at okay. the end of the He's day. You know, life, nobody's going to shed life. any tears that Al Michaels We should all be so lucky to have Al. Now I hear Exa- you. We exactly, should all be so lucky. Exactly. Okay. All right. All right. Well, speaking of, we should all be so lucky An amazing, absolutely yes. outrageous. Let me lodge a 10, 10% c- complaint. No, it's a 2% complaint. Why is this not the Sunday night game? Yeah. Why is this not the Sunday night game? Why is it at four o'clock on Sunday? Why isn't it the Monday? Why why isn't it the Monday night game? It would dominate. I mean, good Lord. I do want to see Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles, but why are we we shoving this game into four o'clock? At least it's the only 425 kick and at least they only have two 405 kicks uh, to kind of distract us. And at least one of them is a Carolina Panthers at the LA Rams that I don't know that anybody's going to care about unless they have money on it. But you know, my God, this game absolutely should be Monday night, build it up for the entire day. That would have been the place I would have stuck this game. I know you and me both. Well, it's fine. We'll take it wherever we can get it. Kansas City is getting two and a half points at home against Buffalo. The total, I think, is still 53 and a half. Believe so. Yes. What am I saying? Some 54, some 53 and a half. And look, I mean, this is what we've been waiting for since the, the, the playoff game. Last year, the Bills have arrived, prepared to kick ass this season, have been doing so. Clearly the best team in terms of, you know, point differential. It's not even close. 44 points higher than both the Eagles and and the Niners. Uh, Kansas City, unlike the Bills, shown a little bit of vulnerability. Uh, They lost to the Colts. They... We're down double digits to the Raiders, and uh, they needed really the Chargers outplayed them in the, in that game uh, on Monday night where they they hosted the Chargers. Um, this this is a truly fascinating matchup. One of the things in doing the research that I was surprised by, uh, Josh Allen. Two of his very best games as a quarterback on an EPA basis have come against this Kansas City team. Um, And look, it's not a secret. The Bills have built their entire football team, their approach to to beating the Chiefs because that's the pathway for them to get to the Super Bowl. And they they look like they've done a pretty damn good job. I mean, we don't have to relive what happened in that playoff game. Um, these two teams look really good. I like a lot of what I'm seeing out of the Chiefs defense so far this season. Quietly, a little bit underrated, it feels like. Um, but but both teams will be ready. It's a kick-ass game. Uh, I know that you and, and Austin did some of the, the deep analytics, but you know, let's do a little bit of, of how you're sizing this up. Well, I mean, first of all, we got to state, obviously some people have heard this elsewhere, but Patrick Mahomes, undefeated ATS in his career as an underdog. 
Do you know that this is the first time since 2015 that the Chiefs are home underdogs with their starting quarterback? They were home underdogs a couple of times with a backup quarterback, but with their starting quarterback, week one, 2015 until now, they've never been a home underdog. We saw the home field advantage that stadium has with that crowd just on Monday night when the referee was about to cry and refused to call anything on the Kansas City Chiefs in the second half of the game because of that crowd advantage. And I got to tell you, just throw this in there. You mentioned the referee article is up on the website uh, over at Chart Football Analysis, completely free article breaks down all the referees and who and which games they're calling and what their trends are and tendencies. The ref for this game is Brad Allen. Uh, home teams with Brad Allen since 2016 are 60 and 39. That's 62%. Home teams are 59% ATS in those games. So 60, 39, 57 and 40 ATS. Uh, and home dogs, 22 and 11 ATS, 67%. So he does tend to err on the side of the home team a little bit is what his trend has been. Um, We talked a little bit about what to expect from Buffalo, how much they decided to throw the ball down the field in week five, 15 air yards per pass attempt on early downs in the first half. That number wasn't anywhere close to that previously on the season when it was down at like two to five air yards per attempt. We talked about the fact that despite the windy day, he threw six passes, 20 plus yards on early downs in the first half, did Josh Allen. And that was the same amount, six passes that he had thrown in weeks one to four combined. So this team was definitely going deeper now that they got Gabe Davis back. um, And we know that they're going to have to continue to attack and strike and look for opportunities. They are a team that has tried to craft themselves to take on the number one team out there, and that was the Kansas City Chiefs. If they want to get to the Super Bowl, they got to beat the Chiefs. And I'll tell you this, if you like the Buffalo Bills in this game, and you could lay them minus two and a half, minus 15, you're paying a little bit of juice, or you could take them, uh, what is it, minus 145 on the money line, you might just want to take Buffalo plus 350 to win the Super Bowl. Because right now, I got to tell you, the AFC... Is not really playing out as strong at the top as we anticipated, right? Like there are there are a couple of teams that are at the top, the Bills being one of them, but it's not like we've got this cluster of like seven to eight teams that are all upper echelon elite with hardly any flaws, and they're all gonna battle and pick one another off and you know have the decided edge there. We've seen a lot of the good teams that we anticipated heading into the season have pretty glaring deficiencies and problems. Uh, But the Buffalo Bills, if they get over this Kansas City Chiefs team in this game, probably set up for home field advantage as long as they don't fuck anything up down the stretch. Taking them now at plus 350, they're just you're just not going to get those types of odds if they beat the Chiefs on Monday morning. The the odds are not going to be close to plus 350. So you might as well bet them that way is my take on that. Man, I love that. That is, is, is extremely sexy. Your point about what is going on in the NFC, AFC in general. Um, you know, we had, we were prepared to crown the AFC West, especially, you know, we were like, this could be four playoff teams. Um, and the AFC East has been, you know, we, we've got the surprise with, with, uh, the dolphins, you know, showing a little bit more competence, you know, they're kind of hit the mark in terms of, um, the offensive efficiency, but Tua's injury has had them when now we're tapping the brakes 
a little bit with them. Um, and Buffalo's doing what it's doing. Our buddy, the Podfather, quietly, all of a sudden, very bullish on the New England Patriots. They're going to show up in our discussion this week, right? Well, they might. Um, I got something. I was texting with him the other day about what to look out for for this team starting next week. And whether we, we probably we got too packed of a show to get into that yeah. today. We're not going to do it Wednesday, right now. Next Wednesday, we'll go. I'll talk about that on the feed. You guys better be listening to every single damn episode on this feed. Just got to tell you that. Um, unlike House, I haven't had anything to drink except for coffee. So I'm a little bit <laughs> jacked up and I'm just going to talk straight to you. Like there are a lot of good shows and a lot of great analysts on this feed. And you guys better be uh, subscribing and sharing this with your buddies because we're going to be giving you some good information. But as we mentioned, the AFC, you got the Buffalo Bills. They're the favorites. You can get them by FanDuel right now at plus 370. Kansas City Chiefs are plus 650. And the top five, those are the only two teams from the AFC that are in there. And then the yeah. next closest team is the Ravens at 15 to one. Um, and then the next three teams are also from the NFC, Green Bay, Minnesota, and Dallas, before you get all the way down to the LA Chargers at 21 to one. So you got like three AFC teams in the top nine right now with the Ravens at the sixth most likely position to win the Super Bowl. That's why I'm saying these two teams are the cream of the crop right now. And if Buffalo wins and now gets an edge on home field advantage, like their odds to win the Super Bowl are going to drop dramatically. Well, let's hit on, we're going to jump right over into the NFC. Two of the premier teams in the in that conference. Two of the, the, the two of them, both of them in the NFC East. Shockingly, we keep talking about the NFC East and its position in the league and these teams keep going out and winning games and they're showing, uh, you know, all kinds of, of moxie, the Dallas Cowboys going into Los Angeles. Of course they brought their entire fan base from Fort Worth and Dallas with them right there into LA. Cause we all know LA don't got no fans. What are we talking about? Dallas, of course, the, 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 the national, uh, team, but that was another very impressive performance. What they did against the Rams again, we we keep watching these Rams. The Rams are just not up to the standard they set last year. And Philadelphia finally had a challenge, and but for the Cardinals, really, you know, sabotaging their, themselves at the end of that game. I honestly watched watching the Arizona come down the field. Um, thought there was a decent chance that, that the Cardinals were going to score a touchdown and win that game. Uh, not to be, but I didn't like the version of defense that we were seeing out of the Eagles last week. It looked like some of that Jonathan Gannon, let's, let's, let's make the middle of the field mushy kind of stuff that was really uh, um, a problem for them last season. This thing's sizing up juicy. I love all these points that I'm getting. I'm getting five and a half or six with the Cowboys at Philadelphia, I don't have any idea why it's that many points. I could like countenance three and a half, but five and a half or six. Let's don't just worry, start. it's six and a half right now, my friend. Why? Help okay, me so, understand it. So, A, the reason that, they, that the defense looked so bad last week and so soft is because Kyler Murray is a running quarterback, and Jonathan Gannon said later that they played a style of defense that would try to limit some of what the damage he could do on the ground, and so that's why, according to him. So believe it or don't, but... He damn near limited their ability to win the effing football game. 
right? And 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 so we know that Cooper Rush is not going to play like that. Um, and so that's where I'm going to start my analysis here on this game with you, House. And that is that there is one way and one way only that teams must play the Dallas Cowboys. If you try to go off on your own path here, you're going to just cause problems for yourself. The clear path to beating the Dallas Cowboys is jumping out early to a lead. You have to be hyper-aggressive early in the game for many reasons. Number one, Dallas has a wicked good pass rush. Number two, Dallas has a great pass defense. Number three, Dallas sucks defending the run. And number four, Dallas's quarterback is Cooper Rush. So let's deal with these in order. Number one, they got a great pass rush. This pass rush is the best in the NFL at getting pressure on opposing teams. Now, it's going to be interesting in this game because the teams that they've gone up against in terms of pressure allowed all rank 20th or worse in terms of the four teams that they were able to beat. So they haven't really played a very good offensive line yet. And Philadelphia ranks number seven. They're not 20th or worse. They rank number seven. But similarly, Philadelphia hasn't played a very good pass rush. The teams that they've played on the season that they're undefeated against and beat, they all rank 12th or worse in pressure rate against the quarterback. So Dallas is obviously the best at pressuring the quarterback. So you got, you know, water's going to meet its level here. Bottom line is Jalen Hurts is probably going to be pressured more than he usually does. But Dallas is probably going to get less pressure overall than they usually do. Now, Jalen Hurts does have massive splits against pressure. I mean, he's 76% completions when not pressured down to 42% when he is pressured. 9.6 yards per attempt when he's not pressured drops to 5.3 when he is pressured. I could rattle off success rate and EPA, but you get the idea. Night and day difference. So why is it so important? So, so number one, you don't want to be dealing with that, with that pass rush. Number two, you don't want to be dealing with having to pass the ball a lot against this defense. So how can you avoid both of those things and do what I said, number three, which is run the football on this bad run defense? They rank fifth defending the pass, 25th defending the run. If you jump out to a lead early, then you take Dallas away from what they've been able to do to these other teams, which is Dallas leading these other teams in the second half in obvious passing situations on second and third down all times, dropping back to pass the ball, and Dallas can pressure and sack these quarterbacks. And if the Eagles are in that position, even with the seventh best line, I got to tell you something, they are going to give up pressures. They are going to give up sacks. So if you jump out to a lead, then guess what? In the second half, you can do whatever you want to do. You can choose to run the football against this bad run defense and you'll have success doing it. No other teams have been able to do that because they've all trailed in these games. So getting up early is vital. The last reason as to why it's vital is because Cooper Rush is like a modern day Houdini who has convinced everybody almost that he should be able to play even when Dak is healthy. And I can't think no. of anything more ludicrous out there That's than that ludicrous. assertion. It's 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 right. pure like talk show fodder in my opinion. Come on. Because look at what Cooper Rush does a good quarterback do this. Just listen look at these numbers here. When he passes the ball on first down and the other teams don't know what's coming. Could be a pass, could be a run. When he passes on first down, 75% completions, plus 0.41 EPA per attempt, 60% success, 10 yards per attempt. He's number one to five in all of those metrics. He's basically like a top five quarterback when he passes the ball on first down. When he passes the ball on second or third down and he has five plus yards to go, so a much more defined passing situation that the defense knows 
He's probably going to have to pass the ball here. 54% completions, minus 0.33 EPA per attempt, 37% success, 5.5 yards per attempt. He's bottom five in every single one of those metrics. He moves from a top five quarterback to a bottom five quarterback just from having to pass the ball when the defense knows a pass is coming. Well, guess what? If you've got the lead in the second half, these passes are going to be coming early and often at that point in time. Yeah. And you're going to have the ability to get after Cooper Rush, make him uncomfortable, and he's not going to perform. He's going to perform like a bottom five quarterback, not a top five. So for all of these reasons, Philadelphia has been so good at jumping out to these leads. They obviously must emphasize that in this game. Keep everything available to them so that they can run the ball against this bad run defense so they're not dropping back to pass a lot. Keep Dallas unbalanced. Don't let anything be predictable with the play calling. Stay out of third and long situations. Try to bypass third downs if you can offensively. Put up some points and then don't stop. Don't stop. Don't let Dallas get back into it. I don't think Cooper Rush is going to be able to get back into this game like Kyler Murray was able to get back into this game. The Arizona Cardinals are so good at doing that. I think Cooper Rush might melt if Philly gets up and has a nice lead at halftime. Yeah, and then you know, Philly um, was doing Philly kinds of things in that first half against the Cardinals, and then they gave up a touchdown late. I mean, you know, it was a 14-3 to game. They went into halftime of 14-10. to But uh, it sounds like you are suggesting a game script that kind of fits um, Philadelphia to a T. They're the best team in the league in first halves. They're 5-0 and against the spread. And again, like the only halftime uh, where where it was close at all was just the most recent one, I believe. Am I right about all of this? Yeah, I, I, I have not. I have not bet on this game. I will just be clear and straightforward with you. I think this is a great game for live betting, though. If you see what happens in the first few series, and if Dallas is not able to stop Philly, Philly's able to put up ten points early on in this game in the first quarter. Like I, I don't see Dallas getting back into it. I really don't. Um, but but the converse. If if that da- if Philly's not able to pull away and Dallas is able to play their game a little bit more, you know Dallas has a great shot at winning this thing outright. Well, there's some injury news affecting potentially the Philadelphia offensive line. Like four of the five starters, there's something um, going on with them. I don't know uh, how many have been announced out and what the status update, and that'll be something to monitor. But the the one thing out of as you were sort of describing how this this could go down, um, where it feels like Philadelphia has an enormous advantage, and the place where um, maybe the the point the, the the spread in that six six and a half range starts to make a little more sense is Jalen Hurts' legs, because obviously Dallas hasn't faced a quarterback as mobile as Jalen Hurts. He's the most mobile quarterback, the most effective rushing quarterback in the entire NFL. He's literally been unstoppable running with the football this season. And his numbers, if they continue through the balance of this, will put him at the top of the heap for rushing quarterbacks, you know, in in history. Obviously, you know, that's probably not the way that Philadelphia wants the season to play out. But uh, in this instance, um, you know, going up against the the Dallas Dallas, rush defense that is vulnerable do we look at like a Jalen Hurts rushing prop or is that all the value in that market already been sucked out no I don't know I really haven't uh, looked at that market too much uh in this game to be honest with you so I will I will say this just looked up the injury report literally every single player that's on the Eagles roster practiced today and okay. and and everybody got in limited practice 
So like we're talking about all the offensive linemen that you're mentioning, Jordan Mailata, Isaiah Sulmalo, uh, Jason Kelsey, Landon Dickerson, all these guys got in a limited practice today. So um, I, I think that this line will be as close to healthy as expected uh at this time of the season not you know five weeks in there's a lot of teams that are in worse shape than this eagles offensive line will be in my opinion and somewhat helped by the fact that it's sunday night you know they they basically get the balance of the day sunday for whatever last minute um rehab and recuperation is necessary but we we are blessed to have that sunday night uh we're gonna go that the latter half of sunday is really like please tell your loved ones that you're going to go disappear Make sure you've taken care. You're taking your wife to brunch, maybe first part of Sunday. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, what are you going to? There's gonna, no luxury there because you're going to no disappear. Luxury. You're going to be gone. That, it's it's a normal working business day for me. Like there's, I, there's well, I no, know you are. I know that's you. Yeah, but the rest of us. I mean, okay. you know, I yeah. can't disappear for 14 hours. Go go to church or go take your your wife to brunch. You know, whatever it is that normal people do on Sunday mornings. I don't, I don't know that life. I've never, I haven't been in that life for years. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's because you're living this, this hustle and we love it. You love you for it. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the Island. Well, I said, let me head to the North, head towards the water. Let me go on hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. You know what else we love each week is the Urban Meyer Horny Dog Game of the Week. Yes. We are upon that okay. uh, moment. I teased it a tiny bit. Um, this is another game where I'm confused by the line. Why are the New England Patriots getting points at the Cleveland Browns in this upcoming matchup? They're getting three points. The total is 42 and a half. They have, um, it seems like, struck upon a... Uh, an approach they've with with the talent that they possess and the strength of the team resides on the defensive side. Not a surprise with Bill Belichick. 
happy zappy, Bailey zappy. Um, don't worry, be zappy. The homeboy is managing. He's game managing. And, you know, I, I don't know how much, uh, you know, of a knock it is that Damian Harris is dinged up because Ramondi Stevenson's been unbelievable. He's a total monster. The Patriots want to run the ball, control the game that way. These, this game, these two teams just want to run, 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 run all day long. Bill Belichick knows Jacoby Brissett. He knows all about um, Brissett and Brissett's uh, skill set. I uh, am just inclined here to take the team that I think has the better coach and execution-wise the last couple games. I mean, I, they, they sh- I wouldn't say should have won that game against the Packers, but had many opportunities to win that game against the Packers. I just like the way that the, the Patriots um, seem to have, you know, come into an identity here. I'll, I'm happy to take the points in this one. Well, I mean, you mentioned why I think big reason is zappy and, and Mike, you know, producer Mike, you can shoot out some thunderbolt or laser sound effects or something when we're talking about zappy (laughs) because bailey zappy um look he did more than game manage last week in my opinion although that's really all that he needed to do look at this first appearance for the kid he comes out and his first start out of 31 quarterbacks last week with 20 plus attempts Zappy's ranking number one in success rate, number one in completion percentage, he's complete 81% of his passes, number one in first down rate per attempt. He's not just dunking it short. These are passes that are gaining first down. 53% of his passes gained a first down. He took on the lowest pressure and then and no sacks. And he had number four highest rate of completions to gain 10 plus yards. He was number five in EPA per attempt and number six in yards per attempt, average 9.0. What a great outing. Yes, it was against the Detroit Lions. What do you want him to do? Play the 85 Bears? He can only play who's in front of him. The goal is, if you play a shit team, perform really well. And this kid did that. He performed way beyond probably all of our expectations with those numbers that I'm mentioning. I don't think anybody would have bet that he would put up numbers like that in his first start. So now he goes to take on the Cleveland Browns. What are we going to get out of Cleveland? Well, let me tell you. Think about these LA Chargers. And what have we talked about the Chargers on this show all season long? Their OC stinks. Joe Lombardi doesn't call an offense that gets the ball down the field to take advantage of Justin Herbert's skill set, and they can't run the ball to save their life. They're the, they were the worst running back run offense in the NFL over the first month of the season, dead last. They created 0.6 yards before contact per rush, worst in the NFL. Against the Browns last week, they gained 3.6 yards before contact per rush, three Ooh. full yards over their year-to-date average before contact per rush, per rush. Uh, they went from one of the worst to one of the best, just like that. Thank you to just facing the Cleveland Browns. And then we talked about their inability to push the ball down the field. Well, look at the rate at which this Chargers team converted first downs on early downs by week. To start the season, the first four weeks, they were at 20%. Tw- by that, I mean 20% of their early down plays converted a first down. You want this to be a high number. They were at 20%, 22%, 22 22%, and 23%. But in week five, they were at 33%. Night and day different from what they were before. This this Browns defense was terrible last week against the Chargers who were down some offensive linemen, down some receivers. They They couldn't stop the LA Chargers. The LA Chargers go in there and win the game, put up a bunch of points in the state that they're in. So all that stuff bodes well for Bailey Zappi 
And and here's the last thing that I think is great for the New England Patriots in the side that you're talking about pursuing here. You know the best team in the NFL at converting early downs into first downs the last three weeks? The number one best team, the Patriots. You know I mean, what? Crazy. Yeah. So that's, but that's the analytics that back up what we're kind of seeing, right? Where it feels like we, you know, a, a regular person like me that I'm not watching, I'm not doing game tape. I'm not doing the all 22 for every single game of the week. I'm watching what I'm watching and I'm, what I'm seeing out of the Patriots is like, okay, we, we, we need to like kind of shift this a little bit. And one of the subtle shifts is higher efficiency on first down that translates into taking a lot more pressure off of the game script offensively. My question, who's, who's the offensive coordinator? Who's calling the plays? I mean, what's going on there? We still don't have an answer really, do we? We're not going to know. We're not going to know. We're not going to know. It's Maybe muddy. It's Belichickian. It's just Belichickian. Yeah, and, and, and so I, look, it's a great situation for them to have success here and, and avoid third downs and do everything the right way. The concern here, obviously, for the Patriots is the run defense. And I know you can say that he's going to scheme it up and that's all you got to take away from the Cleveland Browns. And that's well and good. But you are number 31 against the run on the season. Uh, you haven't really played any good running back rushing offenses besides the Green Bay Packers. You played the Dolphins, whose run game stinks from their backs. The Pittsburgh Steelers can't run with Najee Harris. And the Baltimore Ravens, back when the Baltimore Ravens didn't have J.K. Dobbins and weren't able to run. And yet on the season, they're 25th in EPA per rush attempt allowed to running backs in the first three quarters of games, 28th in yards before contact per rush. I expect Nick Chubb to be able to run here. I think I expect both of these running backs, big day for Ramondre Stevenson as well. The key to this game, in my opinion, is going to be converting converting in the red zone because I do see both of these teams having enough success to get down there. It's just, will either defense stiffen up in the red zone and force field goals instead of touchdowns? That's going to be who wins this game. So I don't really have a call on the side too much, but I do like the over. The over right now is, is at 43. That's a great number to go over. I took it at 42 and a half. Like I said, the way you get fucked here is mistakes inside of the red zone. That's really the only way because I think both of the teams are going to get down there enough to go over a low total of 43. Yeah, I, it makes me teeny tiny bit squeamish when you're saying, please, Bailey Zappi and Jacoby Brissett, don't fuck up in the red zone. But you know what? Um, we, we've seen enough success out, out, out of both of them, although Jacoby did kind of blow it against the Panthers. But in any event, uh, let's go ahead. Now, I have this circled as as my... I like the Patriots. I like uh, Dallas because I feel like I'm getting extra points for Dallas. But the Ravens really, 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 really impressed me against Cincinnati um, last week. And I was especially um, Im- impressed by how how tough they played. We saw a fourth quarter defense finally, uh, you know, with, this, with their, their, their secondary and the, and the approach that they had. Um, able to to put pressure on Burrow, keep the receivers in front of them. Um, and I think we got as bad a Lamar game as as we might see. Like he just was not up to his usual standard in terms of of accuracy uh last week. Um, I don't know if the numbers sort of bear it out, but that's what the you know, the 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 layperson's eye, you know, that's me sitting there watching it. It looked like he missed some open passes. And yet with, with, with all of that, um, I just thought they won 
a, a very tough game. I like the way that they, they played. And, you know, this Giants team has been a really terrific story. The, peop- the fans of the New York Giants, as much as I detest the New York Giants and reveled in their uh, incompetence and dysfunction over the last decade, um, you know, the, 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 I have to, to live vicariously by seeing other teams get competent personnel in, 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 in leadership positions and then turn it around quickly because that will be my hope sometime as a SeaWords fan. At some point, there will be some competent person here. I thought Ron Rivera might be that competent person. He is not. He is not that competent, not in terms of personnel and not in terms of game management and not in terms of the coaches uh, on the coaching staff working for him. But this New York Giants team, you know, hope springs eternal because Dayball's doing a great job. We're seeing Danny Dimes, you know, um, the version of him that the Giants must have thought that they got. I think it's a great spot for the Ravens. There is, you know, there's not a humongous sample size of teams coming from London back to the U.S., um, but there is, you know, that sample size suggests that those teams still suffer from some some fatigue, even with, um, you know, the, the Giants having a full week of, of, of rest. Uh, the Ravens, this is, they're on the road, but it's like barely, you know, you know what this is. Baltimore to New York is is nothing in terms of a ride on the bus uh, up the way there. And one angle that I particularly like is the familiarity of the Ravens with the Martindale defense and, you know, the blitzing that we expect out of Wink um, with, with, with his, his team and what Lamar um, can anticipate and prepare for. And Ronnie Stanley, Stanley's back. He was on like a limited count. It seemed like um, last week made sense. But, you know, hopefully he continues, uh, had a whole nother week to continue to get healthy. I'm fine with laying anything less than a touchdown in this, in this, uh, in this game with the Ravens up, up at the Giants. Total's 45 and a half. What's your sentiments on this one? Yeah, not a lot of time that I'm going to devote to this game simply because I don't have anything actionable on it, side or total. The Wink Martindale angle is the best angle to discuss about this game, um, in my opinion. But you mentioned it from like the perspective of the side that you're looking for, which is, you know, well, his defense is going to be predictable for Lamar. But we know that offense always will beat defense. Just roll the dice out and play the game. Like the rules are staged so that the offense should have success. Even offense, even defense, the offense is going to win almost 10 out of 10 times because of the rules. That being said, what is the one thing a defense has over an offense is that if a defense can understand and make an offense somewhat predictable in any capacity. And thus, I think it's actually a bigger edge for Martindale to know a little bit about what Lamar is uncomfortable with and where Lamar tends to go when he's pressured from this side and things of that nature. Because like, I, I, I just think that Wink is going to scheme up some things to surprise Lamar a little bit, but also to prey on his weaknesses. Um, yeah, sure. Lamar and that offense and Greg Roman will say, okay, here's the, here's the sp- soft holes. Here's the places that we can attack on the defense and might have some success there. Uh, but the reality is 
any offense could say that about Wink's defense. You don't have to have played against him in practice for that long right. to put on the tape and understand that. But what what the, the edges that Wink might have are the specific idiosyncrasies that Lamar Jackson has, two different things that only he might know about Lamar um, that could potentially help them. The only edge that the Giants have here is the fact that they have the number seven ranked rushing offense in the NFL. And the Baltimore Ravens haven't played a single rushing offense that ranks better than 20th other than the New England Patriots that rank as one of the best in the league. Uh, all the other teams they played, like last week they played the Cincinnati Bengals. They can't run the ball for shit. Joe Mixon's not been good this year. The uh, Buffalo Bills, the, the, the only running back that is efficient there is their quarterback. Um, and then you've got you know, the Dolphins week two and the Jets week one before they were really getting Brees Hall involved. So the Ravens really haven't been tested that much on the ground, especially the last couple of weeks playing two bottom five defenses, uh, sorry, bottom five rushing offenses. We'll see if Saquon Barkley can have a good day here, crank out some explosive runs or something like that to really help switch the field. But otherwise, I mean, if you looked at these two teams and we broke this game down before the season started, I mean, talent wise, quarterback wise, Almost all the edges are going to go to the Baltimore Ravens here. You're going to have to really uncover some stones and try to figure out what edges the New York Giants might have because, I mean, Brian Dayball is really turning water into wine there. And if you guys have been listening to me on podcasts for the last few years, you know my affinity for Brian Dayball uh, and how much I love that guy. He's incredible. What he's been doing there is incredible. Um, but, you know, there's only so much further you can take it but I'm not running to back the Baltimore Ravens. The only thing that's keeping me off the Giants, really one of the only things is, is the London angle. Like I do worry yeah. about that for the first time coach coming back, trying to figure out how to get ready. These teams do end up stumbling when they're playing without a bye to get some recovery there. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. That's interesting. So your, your inclination would have been Giants, but you're staying away all, all, all together for, for the, okay. All right. All right. That that's, that's fair enough. I'm, I'm, you didn't say anything that scared me off of laying less than a touchdown with the Ravens, even though they're going on the road. I, I have this outsized sense, and I'll just confess the bias. I hope it's come through on the shows. I have a big ticket on the Giants to win the I mean, the, the Ravens to win the Super Bowl this year. I got them at 24 to 1 in the, in the summer. So I, I believe that, you know, they were uh, overdue for some injury regression that is you know, some injury good luck rather than bad luck. Um, and you know, so far they've been okay in that space. Well, uh, we are at the, the point in the show. I ask you, 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 you shared one total that you really like, uh, in that, that, that Cleveland, new England game, anything else that you got cooking that we haven't touched on so far? Yeah. Um, look, I, I went over the Steelers bucks game and that's not going to really be backed by a lot of numbers. If you're looking at your models, you're going to say, you're not going to really come up with something that's going, oh yeah, this, this total should be like 48 points or something like that. However, the first three weeks for both of these teams, they're, they're very different now than what they were the first three weeks. I mean, the, the, the bucks O line is now healthier. Godwin and Mike Evans are back and Brady's one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL right now. 
as opposed to what he was the first three weeks of the season. The Steelers' D is in shambles. Their secondary is really banged up and injured, yeah. as is the Bucks' defense. And now the Steelers have Kenny Pickett. And don't judge him too harshly on last week's game, playing on the road in Buffalo with like 30-mile-per-hour gusts. Like, it's not a great environment for a quarterback to be playing in. That stadium is difficult for road quarterbacks to, to come in and play with windy conditions and whatnot. Uh, I expect a much better effort in the friendly confines of Accenture Stadium or whatever the hell it's called uh, because <laughs> he played college ball there. He knows the stadium well. And I think you're going up against a secondary that's a little weaker. Uh, and the one interesting thing is, go ahead and dig into the numbers. I wrote up a little bit about it. When you blitz, when you blitz the Steelers for whatever reason, which the Bucks have a pretty high blitz rate, if you don't get home, the Steelers have had a lot of success throwing the ball down the field against blitzes this year. They're one of the best offenses in the NFL at passing against a blitz on the season. And Kenny Pickett's numbers weren't bad last week either. So um, if the Bucs are going to say, hey, this young kid, we're going to come out and blitz him. Sure, they may get a few sacks and maybe a sack fumble, which could result in some points. But you could have it go the other way too, where you have a nice big completion down the field. So I like that one. I already gave you another one. And one I, I sort of like is uh, this Jets-Packers game. Don't want to spend too much time on it because I want to get to these bets from my Twitter timeline. But I do like the over there as well. And I think 45 is a good spot to take that one as well. Excellent. So let's go ahead and jump in. I only had one uh, exotic this week anyways. And and it's, it's a teaser. It's a classic Wong kind of teaser where I get Jacksonville and Seattle crossing three and, and the eight. Those um, teasers have been terrible, though, by the year, by the way, this year. I understand. Year. Long teasers I, have been trashed this year for whatever reason. I'm familiar. Reason. I, I, my, you know my, it the hard um, way. My yeah. bankroll knows, yes. <laughs> um, but let's let's jump in. This is a great new feature. Uh, week six, there's a, a, a plenty of time to innovate here on the Friday Ringer Gambling Show. You put out to all of the betting buddies, hit us with your best wages. What's the timeline showing up, Sharpie? Yeah, so what we're going to do every single week, I guess we'll go ahead and we'll see how it does this week. And if you guys like it, we'll keep doing it. But I'm going to post a tweet. I'm going to tag House. I'm going to say, drop your best bet. And then House is going to select from one of these something that he likes and he's actually going to bet his money on it. Um, so Bill's Chiefs under 54. Uh, we got an ex House Exotic Moneyline Parley taking the Pats, Simmons Pats, which you like as well this week, the Bucks. And then the Rams, which are a heavy favorite as well. Moneyline parlaying those three. I'm not, I just, I, I'm no offense to um, to Ryan. I'm not putting the Rams in anything. They're on my do not bet list. I, uh, the, the Rams under any circumstance. Carolina with a brand new coach. There are some some positive yep. vibes out there for, for a team in that situation. So we got the Seahawks money line from Keith. We got the Eagles at an alternate spread. Obviously, you're not going to do that because you like the Cowboys here. Um Jags coach, Jags Colts under 43 from Angelo. That there isn't a 43 unless you're buying to it. It's 42s uh, on the marketplace right now. Ramondre Stevenson and Nick Chubb. We talked about this game. Anytime touchdown, parlay those two together. Um, we got Saints money line from Travis. Wait, wait, what, what's that one? What can oh, we get? What are the odds on that one? I don't know. You have to look it up while we're doing it. I'm not sure what the odds are. They're obviously plus money odds, but. I'm Whoever sure. suggested that one, that one gets like a chef's that kiss. That tickles I'm, your I'm fantasy. Listening. It that does. I'm listening. tickles your fancy. Okay. It does. Uh, we got Saints money line. We got the Jets. We got a couple guys wanting you to hit the Jets. We got Mahomes over 23 yards rushing uh, from the Big Danish. 
And we mm. got Jalen Hurts' longest rush over 14 and a half from Ryan. Steelers I like that. plus eight. I like and a half. that. You Ryan, like the Hurts? I'm, I'm feeling Ryan. So, so far, we're up. We got like player props are, are the ones that are most interesting to me. Okay. Uh, but keep going. I, I, that's, I interrupted. That's it. that's it for now. We, oh, good. We, Steelers plus great... eight and a half is the last one. Steelers plus eight and a half is, you know, um, I'm playing that. Um, with a tiny amount out of respect to Mike Tomlin, out of respect to all of the trends that, that you know, show up um, with what the Steelers have accomplished over his his decade of, of, of coaching. Tampa is going to be, I don't know, I don't have the splits in front of me, but maybe the most public team of the entire week. It's got to be Tampa and the Packers as the, as the two most public, uh, I would imagine, uh, here as we're taping this. Thursday night, but I think the one that I'm going to do is is Jalen Hurts' longest rush. That one's going to come from Ryan, and his Twitter handle is a r r r r. There's four R's, two D's, and <laughs> and four more E's. Uh, so that's Ryan, and he's got Jalen Hurts' longest rush over 14 and a half. So that's what House is going to pick every week, guys. We're going to do this. We're going to shout out your Twitter handle. So respond to the tweet. Uh, follow along, and uh, you might get your Twitter handle read out loud. Although I had to spell yours, Ryan, because uh, your your it Twitter handle like doesn't. Arby. I'm just going to call him Arby because Arby, that, that makes Arby. sense to me. Yeah, I know, you but you know, it sounds like Arby's, which is, I've always got the meats and you know that, Sharp. I know that. So in the interest the of time, speaking of meats, we got the Brokeback Mountain, uh, whatever you call in this thing, parlay of the <laughs> week here. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I don't, I don't have a Moneyline parlay that I like. The only okay. exotic that I'm playing is that um, Jacksonville uh, Seattle and both of those are, are up to, up to eight. Um, which of those two legs? This is our our tradition between Jacksonville getting uh eight and eight and a half and and uh, Seattle getting eight. Which one of those is going to bum me out? Well, Jacksonville. Uh, I'm frustrated with this team right now. I'm frustrated with Doug Peterson's offense. But guess what? How are the Colts getting margin? I don't know that offense. How are they doing it? So I don't yeah. really. I, I think that that is a good teaser. Like the Seahawks. Their offense should be able to score against Arizona. I just worry about their defense or or some sort of mistake or something like that. It is a high total, so teasing a dog with a high total isn't the best strategy. But right. look, I I wouldn't be fading you on either of these legs. I think both are plus EV. Okay, there we go. That's all I want to hear is plus EV. That means it's a plus EV show, Sharpie. Week six is so much better than... Than, than week five, but they're all good weeks. They're all good weeks. They're, they're good weeks for us because we're not Dan Snyder getting dragged through the mud. No, we're not. And uh, now, do you have a same game parlay teaser to throw in here? So this is, you know, uh, on the ringer, our guys, uh, John Jastrzemski, Austin Gale, Raheem Palmer, Raheem the Dream, they are getting together every single week and coming up with insane multi-leg same-game parlays. It's the SGP Plus this week. Look at the one o'clock games. These guys are going to cook up some some uh, player props, some some first half total, first half side. They'll build out some legs. It'll be at least five legs, possibly six legs. You know how we're doing it. We're taking the price of one beer. We're trying to buy ourselves three hundred beers. Keep an eye out Sunday morning, that SGP plus parlay on the ringer uh, Twitter feed. They'll push it on out there and, and we're, we're due. I mean, you know, it's only cost you a beer a week and that, that that's reasonable. But what if we caught 300 beers in week six? Wouldn't that be a good time? 
Keep your eyes peeled for that one. Well, that'll do it, guys. Thank you to everyone for listening. Got to remind you, retweet the show when we tweet it out. Give us some love there. The feed is great. Uh, There's going to be shows on Sunday when Raheem shares his top five picks for week six. And next week, we'll have betting advice for more NFL games. We've got MLB playoffs are coming into the feed. And of course, the start of the NBA regular season. House and I know that you're excited to have all this great sports action going on. So hope you guys tune into the feed and love it as much as we do. Thanks, obviously, to Joe House for joining me tonight after his C-words pull out the victory and to Mike Wargon and Steve Cerruti for producing the show. Good luck with all your bets this week. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.